The following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the next um, edition of the Fezcast with me, Forrest Gump. Sorry, Jess. And uh, joining me today is Sam, John, and Matt. And uh, evening or afternoon or whatever it is, gentlemen, um, how are we all? All good. Happy. Yeah. Well, pretty good weekend, wasn't it, Matt? It was, yeah, good, um, good triple header weekend for for the sort of three main sides in the in the Saracens family, and all three came away with a win. So yeah, pretty happy. And indeed, John, you had a good weekend, or more importantly, looking over your shoulder at uh, Mini Goody there. Uh, Charlie had a pretty special weekend as well down at Stonex with the fancy dress. Although yeah. we are claiming that Charlie might have gone on a bender like Alex because he's been an <laughs> training tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I think he wishes he could have. He would have been allowed to, but yeah, now the, now the dust has settled on that weekend, and my heart rate's returned to normal. And I'm not either trying not to cry because I'm watching the boy do what he was doing, or trying not to be sick because of how nervous I was. I've I've been home for I watched the, I've actually watched the match back twice now, <laughs> and I'm still nervous each time. So God knows how I'm going to be in the lead up to the final, but I'm just glad we're there. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah, my weekend was uh, in a hotel room in Wakefield, watching it on my laptop, um, thanks to my stepson, Sam, for allowing me to log on to his BD Sport account on my uh, on my laptop. So I was able to watch the game. But then obviously on Sunday was my big day running the Leeds Marathon for Rob Burrow. And uh, before we start, I have to say thank you to everybody who supported that um, from the Saracens family. Lots of sponsorship came in. I mean, in total now, I think, for running this one, I've done over about two and a half thousand pounds of uh, sponsorship for just this race. Um, and it's about eleven and a half thousand pounds in total on all my marathon running. But yeah, actually, the reason we were doing it was for Rob Burrow. And uh, Rob was pushed around. I saw Kevin Sinfield, Sir Kev Sinfield, pushing Rob around the course in his uh, especially adapted wheelchair, which was amazing. He got a chance to wave at him and everything. And then Rob was pushed into the into Headingley, somewhere where he obviously graced the field by Kevin. They stopped five yards short of the line and Kevin got him out of his wheelchair and picked him up and carried him across the line and gave him a kiss. And at that moment in time, I realised it's not rugby union, it's not rugby league, it's, it's rugby, but it's more than rugby, it's humanity. And the love and the friendship, and that's what we did it for, you know. And the fact that I was trudging in that heat, up those bloody hills for five hours, 45, 46 minutes and 53 seconds, the best five and three quarter hours of my life, to be perfectly honest with you. And it's so worthwhile. So, yeah, thank you for everybody supporting me on that one. But, you know, anyway, back to the rugby, though, guys. And the first thing first to say, I know, John, you're saying you were, um, you were a little bit, you know, nervous about it, but I thought... Never in doubt. As soon, I, I tell you why it was never in doubt is because as I was driving up to Wakefield to to my hotel, Paul Grayson came on the um, on the radio. He was doing obviously the Radio Five coverage, 
And it was with Mark Chapman who was doing the football and everything. And they asked him, you know, what do you, how do you think it's going? He says, oh, it's all right. He says, Saints have got a plan to beat Saracens. And apparently the plan was for Saints to forget exactly what they did good this season, which is throw the ball around with Gay Abandoned in the backs and score lots and lots of tries and just pick a big pack to try and take on Saracens. And we just hit them, hit them, hit them. They never got game line success. Faz got four turnovers alone. I don't know how many turnovers the team got, but it was in double figures. And we just absolutely mullered them. And then when we got the opportunity, we didn't finish all the opportunities, but the key ones we finished. And there was the one where we'd gone gone the length of the field and nearly scored. But yeah, I, it was never in doubt for me. He's going to disagree. He's going to disagree. <laughs> God, John, you, you saying you were nervous and that you were you were biting your nails the whole way through? Well, that's because I, <clears throat> it doesn't matter who we're playing in what competition. I'm always the same. I, I'm a terrible when it comes to stuff like that. But I'm just hoping that you're going to tell me that the final is going to be. Uh, he's going to go our way, and I can start relaxing already, Jess. Well, I'll never say that. I mean, and we'll we'll talk about the final next week more. But I mean, I was. I suppose the first key talking point is the fact that we did ride our luck a little bit. Let's be honest about it. We'll stick our hands up in the air. Who thought Sean Maitland should have probably got a card of any colour? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I definitely would. I think, you know, I mean, you know when you look at Twitter the day after and the opposition, um, all you see is that they're moaning about the quality of the referee. And, and I think that we've, we've talked about the referee a lot on this podcast um, over the course of this year. And, and realistically, even some of the best, even the great Wayne Barnes has had a couple of shockers this year. Um, so I think the quality of the referee hasn't been fantastic. If I'm honest, did it did it change the game? No. Uh, would Northampton still have lost if the ref was you know, didn't make any poor decisions? No. Um, sorry, yes, they still would have done. Um, but Sean... I mean, definitely should have got a yellow, shouldn't he? I don't think it's a red, but it's. I think it's it's pretty much a slam dunk yellow, isn't it? Well, absolutely. But I'm also by the same definition. I think if he had got a red, I think we would have all sat there and gone, okay, fair enough. That's what happens. And probably on a peel, he would have, uh, you know, got it rescinded down to a yellow, maybe. But we wouldn't. We wouldn't been sat there saying, you know, that's a complete rickets. You could see what it is. Do you know what really interesting what... thing is, though, Jez, is I, I read the um, the write-up in The Independent um, yesterday and the, the guy, I can't remember who the guy is who, who did the report, but he actually made, um, he particularly picked out that he said Carl Dixon had a really good game. He, well, partic- see, he particularly mentioned it. I see. I mean, I'll, I'll totally disagree with that one, Sam, and, and for two reasons. Two reasons. First thing I will say is that Sean had done what he'd done 20 minutes into the game. That would have definitely been a card. The fact of the matter was it was a first play, and I think that did save him a certain way. But Matt, my comment I made earlier on is that I thought Carl Dixon was poor. But what he was, was he was consistently poor for both sides. The difference was that Saracens worked out what Carl Dixon was refereeing and played to it an awful lot better. And I think a lot of that comes from Owen chatting to Carl the whole way through it and saying, what do you want from us, sir? What do you want from us, sir? And we actually going in and doing it. I did think at the start of the second half, there were times when Carl Dixon kept Saints in the game with some really illogical um, readings of the breakdown. I mean, there were, I mean, we'd got 274 turnovers by half time, 
you know, it could easily have been the same amount of turnover second half, Matt, other than Cardiff had just decided to change his 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 um his understanding of what was going on. Is that fair to say? I don't really know. <laughs> really, really good podcast, this. Um, no, look, I, people are obviously seeing things in Carl Dixon that, that we're not. He's he's risen pretty quick and he's going to the World Cup. So powers that be like what they're seeing from, from Carl Dixon. So I think a lot of us need to step back maybe and, and sort of have a look. And I think sometimes actually he's frustratingly by the book. I, I don't think he, um, he necessarily... Um, I mean, other than maybe the Sean Maitland incident, necessarily sort of uh, looks at the context of what's going on. He he just reads the letter letter of law and and takes it that way. I mean, a good case in point actually. There's a lot of there's a lot of complaints um, about the Maroitoji yellow card um, for a knock on that it should have been a penalty try on the basis that a marauding forward that would have caught the ball would have absolutely flattened Ruben de Haas and scored a try. Now that's probably true, but the law says Ruben de Haas is in the way. Whether or not you think he's going to be able to make the tackle or not is totally irrelevant. He's there covering, so therefore no penalty try. And Carl Dixon has... has, has well, to be fair, that wasn't Carl's decision, was it? The TMOs turned around and said, no, there's a covering player. And he's not taking that, that, into but, account... He's not taking into account it could have been me covering back yeah. or you, Matt. We were there and we, we could have stopped it, could have knocked the ball out. You, you at know. the end of the day, if, if, if Dicko thinks it's, a, thinks it's a penalty try, it's his decision in that, in that situation. And he didn't. And he's quite, quite right to. Um, the it, decisions that changed the game, maybe from a Northampton point of view, I mean, they were incredibly unlucky um, to concede a penalty try and a yellow card themselves because the phase of play beforehand, Owen Farrell was in touch. It was even shown in the stadium. Um, and we were on the wrong end of one of those earlier on in the season. And it all balances out. Unfortunately, it's balanced out for us in a knockout match. Um, I was going to say the same, Matt, about the, uh, exactly what you just said about the, the covering defender. Don't forget, that happened to us exactly the same thing in the final. Last time we were in the final, 2019, Slade got a yellow no penalty try because there was a covering defender. But we had two players outside um, and only Jack Noel was defending. And again, you, you'd probably say with two two and one, even as good a defender as Jack Noel is, we're probably scoring that try, but to the letter of the law, it's no try. So it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? I mean, the one the one decision that Carl Dixon did give that really annoyed the hell out of me was when Alex Mitchell threw a pass at, at half an inch off the floor straight. Down. I think it was Hugh Tizard, wasn't it? It was... It was who wasn't lying flat enough on the floor. I mean, the bloke's six at six and 19 and a half stone. I mean, how flat can you get? And Alex Mitchell bought that one. And I mean, that was the old scrum half union there, John, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, to, to be fair, I think at that point in the game, Mitchell was just trying to do anything he could to sort of get them a foothold in the game. It was fairly it was fairly early, I think. And it was just a case of, you know, they, they probably felt aggrieved at their original decision you mentioned about Maitland, even though on the coverage and in the all the write-ups so far, I've not read the fact that he was pushed in the back as he jumped, which <clears throat> added mitigation to the situation. But I can't can't really blame Mitchell for doing what he done. I don't like it, but he did it. It worked, and they got. I mean, they scored three points from it, but it didn't it didn't matter in the end, thankfully. Yeah, I'm absolutely all for it. To be honest, I, if a if a forward is too slow to get back, then you'd run into him, you trip over him, you do whatever you can to buy a penalty. Absolutely fine. I see. I disagree with you. Us forwards, we we get you know we've we've made the big hit. 
we put ourselves in the in the in the line and everything like that. We're making every effort to make ourselves. It wouldn't have taken much. It was more effort for Alex Mitchell to throw that ball at Hughes than it was to actually release. And if you watch Ivan Ivan Manzil, the way that he wants, it's it's a difference in how you want to play the game. Ivan Manzil will put that pass and just loop it up a bit over, and he did it on a number of occasions. Courtney Laws and Lewis Ludlam were past rocks for fun on the weekend because they had to to try and do something to stop stop the Saracens juggernaut. The fact of the matter was we wanted to open the play up and we would have avoided that um, situation. Alex Mitchell needed a, needed some points from somewhere and he threw the he literally threw the ball on the floor and bought that penalty. But you, you know, know to add to just as as a, a little build on that as well to give a third option as a ten. I probably would have, you know, Finn Smith sitting there, there's space out wide. He's probably called something. And Finn Smith's probably actually a bit annoyed because the quality of the player that he is, there was space out there. And you watch it back on the replay. He's probably going, for God's sake, Alex, there was a try in the corner here, potentially. Um, and I know that I probably would have got a bit annoyed <laughs> if that had happened. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% right there, Sam. Um, what did typify um, Saints performance, though, was the Ivan Van Zyl try. And, you know, I'm going to come on to another bone of contention here, but Alex Waller, who, let's be honest about it, thieved a Premiership trophy from us by scoring a try that never was. And that still rankles. However many years ago that was, that's coming up for 10 years ago now, isn't it? Not far no off, eight years ago, was it 2016? And, you know, for him to, one, give away the most stupid, obvious penalty going, but then to give the ball, literally, I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't, he, he could have run over the line and said, Oi, Ivan, come here, score the try. I mean, literally, it was, that was as much an own goal in football. That was like a centre back rising like a salmon and putting one past the keeper with the head off the corner, wasn't it? It was, it was dull, in the words words of Brian Moore, dull dim rugby of its finest quality. Well, less, less Waller, more Wally, I think, um, is the only way of describing that. Like you say, it was, it, was an, it was an own goal, wasn't it? It really was an own goal. But do you know what? We'll take it. But you know what as well? Ivan is, is is great at spotting those little those little opportunities, and actually, in the heat at the moment, he still had to go bang it within a split second. It, he, you either do it or you don't, and he had to make that decision straight away, and he still did it, and he scored, and he had the pace to do it as well. So, as much as it was gifted to an extent, um, Ivan still had to do a bit of work there. He did. I mean, I will say, I mean, any scrum half worth his soul is going to look at that and say, one, there's space in front of me, and even if he'd been caught up before the line. He's got us on the back, on the front foot, and all of our support would have been coming. That would have resulted in a try at some point, or a an offence by a Saints player coming from an offside position. To start, you know, that was the percentage there, and any good scrum half would do that. And you know, I'm sat there looking. When does Ivan Van Zyl qualify for England under residency? Because he's the best scrum half in the country, without a shadow of a doubt. And this is the the next thing that's going to bring me on. I mean, he got he deservedly got man of the match, kind of like disproving Matt's theory about television games where they'll give it to either Owen Farrell or Elliot Daly or you know another one of the superstars. He's not a superstar outside of the club, particularly. I mean, you you go to rugby fans around the world and say, "Who's Ivan Van Zyl? Who does he play for? What position does he play in?" You know, outside of 
well, even inside the Premiership, there's not going to be a great deal of people who could probably answer that question of your casual rugby fans. But he was, he, he's been different class this year. And it, I've just had a bit of an argument with Rugby Inside Line who asked, you know, here's your five best scrum arse in the Premiership. Who are you picking for a World 15? And Ivan Van Zyl's not in there. And and JVP is. And, uh, you know, and Ben Young's is. And you're sort of thinking, have you not watched any rugby this year? Well, there'll be a few more people in Northampton who, knew, who know who Ivan Van Zyl is now, that's for sure. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, he's different class. I mean, you know... And Matt, I spent, I'll hand it over to you to tell you what we've got planned about um, votes and everything. But I mean, as I said on the tweet when you put it out, anybody disagrees with me that Ivan Van Zyl is not only the best scrum half of the club, but the best scrum half of the Premiership. I'm eating a car park when my marathon legs aren't quite as. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we'll we'll get going <clears throat> probably the day the uh, day this show goes out. Actually, we'll we'll start doing a, a, a poll on. We'll get it running on certainly on Twitter and Instagram, getting everyone's uh, everyone's votes for uh, for player of the season in each position, and then put together a team. Um, you can email fezcast.ssa@outlook.com if you if you'd like to if you'd like to get a team of the year in for us off your own back. Fair enough, um, but yeah, we'll um, we'll sort of put out a vote for each position. But yeah, I think um, I think the number nine shirt. I mean, I'll, we'll stick it out there anyway, but I, I can't imagine it's going to be much of a contest that one. No, 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 I mean, that's that's uh, a pretty good... Although, I was very impressed with Ruben de Haas, which is a shame seeing as he's going at the end of the season. When he came on, um, and particularly for Max Malin's try, I mean, that was that was slicker than a slick thing in a slick van, wasn't it? I mean, that was just de Haas, Farrell, Elliot Daly, Max Malin's, and uh, I think Nick Mullins' uh, commentary is he's going to run all the way to Twickenham was absolutely spot on. I mean, I an iconic moment there from from Nick on the commentary. That's superb stuff. Yeah, do you know, I, I was I was actually really upset when I saw that uh, Dahas was leaving because um, I do think that he is he is a little mini Van Zyl. Um and I think that having two two scrum halves that are really similar does allow you to interchange them quite a lot. Um, and I do think that Davis has gone down a gear this year, unfortunately. Um, maybe he was just playing above, you know, where he where he should be last season. But um, certainly this year he's dropped off. And I just thought that we could certainly, you know, Van Zyl's played a lot of rugby this year, actually. And having De Haas there next season would have given that opportunity to do the old sort of Farrell Hodgson thing that we used to do, the sort of the um, 20 minute, 60 minute type thing um, and to to interchange him a little bit more. Uh, That extra year um, for for Tejas would have helped him. So it was a real shame and you're right, he come on and I thought he had one of his best sort of 10 minutes or so in a a Saracens shirt, which is unfortunate to see him go. Absolutely. Now, as we end this little section before we go on to uh, chatting about the other news outside of the... uh, Outside of this game, I wanted to mention another few players. First of all, Elliot Daly coming back from injury. Uh, he um, just makes a difference to any team he plays in. And I mean, I've been discussing on Twitter again today. You imagine a a backline with Faz at 10 and George Ford and Finn Smith. Forget about Marcus Smith as far as I'm concerned. As your three tens. Bonnie Lawrence and Elliot Daly outside and um, Henry Slade, you know, you might as well bugger off to France as well, quite honestly, because you're not getting an England team if Elliot Daly's fit at 13. That's going to frighten an awful lot of people, isn't it, surely? Well, you know what, that that same um, 
article that I mentioned in the in the Independent brought up something really interesting, and it was talking very much about um, not just does Elliot Daly benefit an England team or any team that he's in. He benefits Owen Farrell. Um, and one of the ways in which potentially England can have a half-decent World Cup is if we surround Owen Farrell with players that help him. And there are two players in the Saracens team that are going to benefit him the most. One, we know of, Elliot Daly. The other one, wild card. Get Alex Goode in the England squad um, because he will, as a one-off tournament player, it's going to be his last hurrah for England Get him in there because he will ben- he will help um, Owen Farrell be a better player and he will help us progress much further in this tournament than we would otherwise do. So that's my that's my wild card. I haven't spoken to Steve-O yet, but I'll send him a text. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a call, isn't it? And I thought Goody had another spectacularly good game on the weekend. We've already mentioned Ivan Van Zyl. The one person I do really want to mention, though, and I thought really stepped up this week, and he's been taking a bit of criticism, John, but uh, the big man, Maro Atoji, really put a shift in this weekend, didn't he, John? He's a big game player, mate. That's what he does. I think he he took a lot of undeserved flack, to be honest, during the Six Nations, and he's, <laughs> he he just does what he does. He, he was He was immense. He was everywhere. That the, the defensive effort was, of the team was led by Marrow through the middle there, and he, he was just he was everywhere. He was a bit unlucky with the with the yellow card at the end, but he's what it is. I think he was a bit tired and flailing around by then. But yeah, he was he was a, another nine nine point five out of ten. I'd give him. He was immense. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And for you, Matt, I mean, a great performance from him. And another person I want to mention. I mean, Maka Vinopola. Get some headlines. He was a, you know, he didn't do the flashy stuff, but he he made a hell of a lot of tackles. Marco Riccioni, though, another one who bubbles under that people don't necessarily know about too much, but he was great as well, wasn't he, Matt? He was, yeah. I mean, just quickly on Maro Itoji, there is nothing I like to see more in rugby than a second row break in the line. It just looks absolutely hilarious. Just this giraffe wondering what the hell he's doing, where everyone is. I'm terrified. Yeah, Marco Riccioni. There, I mean, obviously he had a very, very bad injury last season, and he took he took a little while to to get going and to recover from that, which which is absolutely fair enough. But I think, yeah, since since he's come back in, there there was a little bit of time where I, I was sort of saying that he doesn't look like someone that can actually last more than a half of rugby. But then that probably is because of the injury and things that he's had. But so consistent over the last probably since about the European fixtures, I'd say start of the European fixtures, he, he's he's looked. Absolutely brilliant, um, and yeah, I, I hope we've got him for a for a very long time. And and yeah, you know, who who who's Vincent Cock? Who remembers Vincent Cock? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is very strange that at, at Tighthead we just sort of we've made made a couple of little changes, and we we were very very worried about that position. But between Riccioni and then Christian Judge and our Alec Clary, that trio has been. Absolutely excellent all season, and then we're going into next season as well with Harvey Beaton coming back. That's that's a really good four um, without having your big superstar in there. So yeah, excellent, really. Well, look, we've done this game now. I mean, I just say we've all got cheesy winners grins on our face, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to seeing what Charlie brings to the final. Obviously, I mean, I think you got to go down full goody to the final, Charlie. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next yeah. week. Fair, oh, dues. 
There it is. Um, we'll have a word from one of our um, advertisers and then we'll come back and have a discussion about a few of the other um, areas of the club and what's going on in the world of rugby. You're listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracen Supporters Association. And I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that, every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Well, welcome back to our next part of the, um, the Fezcast. And the important news is a bit of news about some signings. We've had some news about some people leaving, including Eduardo Bello, who I think I've said I'd forgotten he was actually playing for the club. I mean, just hasn't worked out for Eduardo, has it, Sam? No, I think I mentioned on the group as well. It was a weird one. I was at the, I was at his first game, which was a Prem Cup away game to uh, to Northampton, and I was when he when he came on, I thought, oh, this is this this would be good. He's he's fresh from Argentinian duty. He should be fit. They're just working him into the team. And I don't think I've, and it's not usual that we see a, a Saracens player look uninterested, and and that that's that's what I got from it. And bearing in mind we got absolutely slaughtered, there were a lot of other players on the side that I thought um, looked a lot better than him. So, and uh, and maybe maybe it was a um, a temperament issue rather than a um, you know quality issue that that kept him out of the team. But as we've already said as well, we thought both sides of the scrum were going to be tough this year on the props, but actually we've worked out we've had quite a few that have come through and done all right so there just obviously hasn't been a place for him absolutely not and um, you know and that's just one of those things that happens um other news that hasn't been committed although billy vanapola has done a um interview this week where he was asked the two questions have you given up on england are you leaving saracens and he categorically said no and no so you know we'll wait for the communication from the club charlie's sat there with his dad john uh you got the uh Tip the wink, as it were, Charlie, that Sean Maitland was staying when you asked him the question, and that's been announced as well. Isn't that right, Charlie? Yep. Absolutely. There you go. Man of man of few words, but uh, he, gets, <laughs> he, gets, yeah. he gets gets in there and gets the gets the scoots and everything. But yeah, so Sean Maitland and Alex Goot, um official members of Saracen's Dad's Army, but they've re-signed Matt. Um, Interesting, because the one thing that everybody's then commented straight off is, well, I presume that doesn't that puts um, the Kai Bosch on. Anthony Watson, who's the name that's been linked with us a lot, coming to the club. But then again, Matt, I mean, let's be honest about it. Goody and Sean, they just want to play rugby. They're playing for peanuts, aren't they? I know they're not. Well, certainly Sean Maitland, um, I'm probably speaking out of turn, really. But I know he, he's, I don't think he's on Megabucks, because I think he, uh, he certainly took a, a cut deal to... To stay with us um, around the time where anyone was allowed to leave if they wanted to, um, 
kids at school in the area, perfectly happy. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know that he was ever looking to go anywhere else. And Sam's already had his controversial one saying that Alex Good needs to be in the England squad. Um, I am happier that Sean Maitland is, is staying on than I am sad about Max Malian's leaving, um, which some people might disagree with. I think Sean has had a better season than Max. Um, and I think on balancing the squad, knowing roughly what the two of them probably want money-wise, I think that's probably the better option that we've got. Well, absolutely. I mean, the first thing to say, Sean Maitland's playing for a contract. Obviously, somebody's turned around to him at the club and said, look, you know, you need to prove your worth for us to give you that piece of paper to sign. And fair dues, he stood up and he's got eight in eight, including two on the weekend, number one. And number two, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Max Malins is a professional and has yeah. acted entirely professionally this year, but he wants to play fullback. And with Charles Piertel going off to Japan, that option is available to him at Bristol Bears. Be interested to see whether they do play him at fullback at Bristol Bears. But, you know, we're bringing in the lad from London Irish. You've got Elliot Daly. Ajax Goods signed a new two-year contract. You know, for him, he's going to get the dosh and he's going to get to play the position he wants to play in. You know, you can't argue with that because I think if he's another season at Saracens playing wing when he wants to play fullback and perhaps not getting as much money as perhaps he thought he deserved, you know, you would then begin to see a drop-off quite naturally because that that's just how psyches work, John, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> firstly, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I think the... First of all, with Good and Maitland staying, I think that probably what the club didn't want to do was break up that dad's army, as you said, too much. We're losing Taylor, we're losing Ray as it is. You don't want to let go of too much experience all in one go. And I, I think that with the players that are coming in, you know, Tom Parton, as you mentioned, and there's Tom West and Willis and Simpson, that they someone needs to <clears throat> to show the way and say this is the Saracens way that served us so well over the years and now that class of 2008 has only got what Jamie George and Owen Farrell left from it I think but yeah there's it, you're always going to find that you know I'm sure Max Malings thinks there's there's probably about 400,000 reasons why he's going to Bristol I'm guessing somewhere around that mark and fair play to him but this is also another opportunity as you mentioned earlier Vincent Cock we thought we was going to miss him terribly and we probably did during the time Marco Riccioni was injured. But this gives an opportunity now to someone like Ben Harris, who's waiting patiently, to be fair to him, who can, who's quite you know similar in a, to, to Malins in physically and speed and everything else. So it gives an opportunity then to for someone to come up through the ranks. And you've had, you know, Rotimi Shegan signed a new contract and I think Lewington's got one more year. So, you know, there's not, there's options still there. So we could probably afford to let him go, create some space in the salary cap, and probably end up with a stronger squad from September onwards, well, after the World Cup, than perhaps what we've had this year. Because that's how this season feels in comparison to last, for sure. So I think um, Matt made one of the, the best points on, on the group, um, talking about Malins, as if he didn't play for Saracens, would he score as many tries? Because there are a few, OK, there's been some notable ones where they've definitely been Malin's tries, but any wing, winger worth their salt, any winger that's going to play for England should have, have the ability to make their own tries. But the reality is, do we think a Saracens player will finish higher up the, the try scoring uh, table than Max Malin's next season? And I think arguably there could be 
two or three potentially so because he won't get those the same opportunities for those running tries that just top up you know that um that position at Bristol than he will do it at Saracens so I mean it remains to be seen I might be eating my hat this time next next season but um but yeah I, th- I think we've got enough strength and depth in that position to to cover it cover the loss oh absolutely yeah 100 well all things to look forward to and I'm sure there'll be more signings coming up I want to have a quick word about the ongoing situation with rugby uh, in general. And we see London Irish haven't been able to pay wages again, and it's all kicking off down there in Brentford. They, RFU have said, you know, you've got until the end of the month to prove that you can do it. I expect someone to come in with a few quid who suddenly appears to have some some link to wasps at some point in the, in the dim, dust, dark past and everything. But, you know, Wasps seem to be able to get away with everything. Um, perhaps kept afloat by directors' fact, um, tax liabilities, who knows? Um, and whatever, allegedly. I'll throw that one in there. I don't want Matt to be sued by anybody. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's an absolute muckers fuddle in it at the moment. I mean, over to you, Sam. You're our financial expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to get any arguments from me. I just, it, it's a, you know, it's a real shame. Is that, um, and if you want, we want to chuck in a little bit of controversy. I said this at, at the weekend, maybe after I had a couple of pints, and maybe I shouldn't have said it. But um, when everything happened with us and our the, the salary cap and all that kind of stuff, um, all the all the top boys in France and the guys at the top at top of the tree at, Le- at Leinster laughed. Uh, at English rugby and said here's a team that's found a way of building a cracking team amazing culture um yeah spending money yes spending money above the salary cap but figuring out a way of doing it in probably an, an, a potentially an appropriate way and yes of course we needed sanctions but what happened was they vilified us for doing it and off the back of that what we've seen is systematically other clubs not being able to do what we did, which is get absolutely destroyed um, and still come back up with the bulk of our squad um, taking pay cuts to ensure that we are below the salary cap. We've we've been, I believe, Saracens have been the shining light of English rugby over the last couple of years, showing actually what can be done to work within the salary cap because you've built that foundation of culture. Um, and unfortunately, other clubs have done silly things and and now they're they're suffering as a result of it. Um, you know, the underfunding of the championship has, has a real strong place to, a role to play in what's happening in the premiership. Um, yeah, and and like you said, it seems like Wasp seems to be able to get away with anything. Um, and, and it's a real shame that we're we're losing potentially the likes of Worcester. I think you're you're right. Irish will come good, um, but who's next? You know, a, a Bath losing money, a Gloucester losing money. You just don't know, do you? Um, and what's been a massive shame this year is it's in terms of the quality of the rugby and the excitement of the rugby on the pitch this year. It's been one of the best seasons in living memory, um, and it's but it's been marred by the loss of two awesome clubs from the division. And um, and, a, and a big cloud of uncertainty hanging over the head of everyone else. Uh, absolutely, well, I just said. Look, we could go on forever about this, and perhaps uh, at some point we will do. Maybe at the start of next season. But let's have another break here now, and then we'll come back and do a quick review of the women versus Exeter Chiefs women on Sunday. <laughs>
Hi guys, I'm Alex Lewington and I'm a proud Loose Heads Ambassador. I'm Sydney Gregson and I'm a Loose Heads Ambassador. We're a rugby mental health charity working to tackle the stigma. You can find us at Loose Heads on all social media channels or at looseheads.co.uk. The Loose Heads mission is to place a mental health lead at every rugby club. Get in touch now to find out more. Take care and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Enjoy the rest of the pod. So welcome back to the last part of to, to today's show, and we need to discuss uh, the women's game. Uh, we, I mean, let's be honest about it. Let's be fair. After the men's final, there's still about 17 weeks worth of the women's game to go ahead. So you know, our season normally finishes the end of May, where we turn around and say we'll go and uh, put our feet up and not do any recording. We've got a lot of, um, oh, well, hopefully, a lot of um, work to do with the women's game leading up, hopefully, to a. a um, Alliance 15's final for the women and Joe to her credit has got a whole list of um of the girls who uh who want to come and talk to us I mean first time ever in our, any of our four lives I think the girls have actually queued up to talk to us certainly didn't happen in nightclubs <laughs> in my day but, <laughs> but you know they, they all want to talk to us about the rugby and everything so Joe's well, uh, well hang on hang on hang on Let, let's let's be honest they don't want to come and talk to us do they they want, to come no, talk, they want to come and talk to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe and the wider Saracens family. But yeah, uh, we do need to discuss, though, on the weekend, a another fine victory for Saracens women. Got back on, got a bit of early revenge for the Alliance Cup fi- final defeat at Exeter. 29-22. I suppose the only um, issue is the Chiefs get a bonus point, which does kind of like, you know, could be, you know, very valuable at the end of the season when it comes to the playoffs if we remain in third and have to go down to Exeter or to Gloucester to to play an away match. You know, we know what it's like in, in the men's uh, semi-finals that the home side normally wins. You know, home advantage is so important. So, you know, that that's the only thing I suppose they will take from it. But we keep fighting. I mean, how many games have they got left now, now Matt, before the playoffs? Yeah, it's three games left, um, and it's interesting actually because I, I think we'd we'd probably rather play Gloucester Hartbury away if if it does come to that because I think we have got a much better record against um, against them at their place than we do playing Exeter in Exeter. Um, but we're um, yeah three games to go. We're we're seven points behind Exeter and nine points behind Gloucester, so it, we've we've got to take fifteen points from our last three games and hope that that those two sides, at least one of them slips up. And at the last game of the season, they are actually playing each other. Um, so there is an opportunity to, to nip in there, but there's also an opportunity for both of them to engineer something. So we'll have to see what um, what happens with that. But I think um, Bristol were pretty pivotal in it as well. I think I think one of the two sides has got to play Bristol, who are sitting in fourth. Um, and might even be playing Quinns as well, sitting fifth. So, so there are there are a couple of banana skins for both sides and we just need to make sure that we win all three games that are left and um, and pick up any pieces where we can. The thing is, I think that there was, um, to, to win to win the, the championship, they, we're probably going to have to play Exeter at some point, whether it's yeah. in the semi or in the final. So I think, bearing in mind what happened the previous week, albeit with a slightly um, less well-known side, should we say, I think... Just from a mindset point of view, getting that win on Sunday was really important um, because we now, having two losses on the trot, it really does, it's that little percentage that that could 
could have could, could kill us off if we uh, if we end up having to play them as I say in, in the playoffs. So I think that was the most important thing. Okay, they've got the bonus point, but I think that was a really really important thing for us to get that W. Yeah, and for you, I mean, you're looking forward to the remaining uh, remaining games of the women's uh, season. <clears throat> yes, mate. Yeah, yeah. I think they're um, you know, as as has just been mentioned with that weekend side that played the week before, there's obviously a massive jump up when when all the internationals come back, and that was it, like as again, it's been previously mentioned. The only blemish on the copybook was that trying the red right at the end. Other than that, it was it was such a great performance. And May Campbell scoring a twentieth try in all competitions, I believe it was. That's I don't want to make wasn't jokes even, about. It wasn't even off of the back of a mall either. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was like a little snipe, wasn't it? She done she done really well. She's she's probably the I don't say the best hooker at the club, but she's been great this season. But yeah, it's still all to play for. That's the most important thing. And even though there was, this season's been a bit of a weird one with the scheduling and what have you for the women. Still all to play for, and it's exciting times for them yeah. for for, well, for everyone involved in Saracens. It's a shame that you were um, shame that you were busy running, Jez, because I think um, for all of the talk that we've had of um, of Ben Earl this season, I think actually the best performer at seven over the course of the weekend was Sharifa Casalo. Tackling, I, she probably made about forty tackles in the game for all I know. Turnovers as well, an absolute wrecking ball. Um, and Exeter are known pretty well for their physicality, and she stood up perfectly, and not someone that possibly is in your starting 15 for most matches if absolutely everyone is fit and available so you know yet another player who's standing up and um and showing that she's well worth her place in that team and of course yeah marley packer signing a new contract as well at the club yep. i mean the 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 options at seven are limited but you know for, there is a hell of a lot of good back row players in that women's side with you know grace jones and then uh, grace jones as well <laughs> Grace Law, sorry. And, uh, for the uh, I missed that uh, signing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously Poppy Cleal and, and you know uh, and the rest there. And there's lots and lots of talent there. So yeah, lots to look forward to going forward to the to the end of the season. And I we think, um, we need to watch this space with our players as well just before we uh, before we finish. Um, the merry-go-round has started for for player signings, and it looks like there's a bit of a shuffle of the pack with the um, with the England players, especially with with Leicester women and Ealing Trailfinders women both coming into the league for next season. They are making some massive signings. I mean, Abby Dow being the first player named by Ealing in their squad for this season. We don't know yet. We don't know what their squad's going to look like, but we could end up losing some, some big players and, and it gets even more competitive in, in that league. So there's um, there's plenty to look out for over the next few weeks. Uh, do you know, as a little question on, on Ealing, and I'll get your, your thoughts on this. I thought this when I saw that signing. Do we think that perhaps um, Ealing are thinking that by putting a, a team into the, into the, the Premier 15s and hopefully doing pretty well, showing that they've got the financial ability to be stable and succeed in that league is a way of them also being able to highlight that as a club as a whole. They can, they will be able to succeed and perform at the top level. And it's kind of a, it'll just be a little nudge. It'll be just something else they can add to the CV to say, we, we can do this and we deserve to be there. It's definitely oh, a good way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, I doubt so. I think it's all, it's all, it's, it's all to the benefit. It's all to the advantage. You know, you present yourself in a great way. Yeah, it's you, the trouble is you, what you're then looking at is people that, who have proved themselves at Premier League 
uh, Premier Rugby and England, English RFU have been about as good at what they do as I am at obviously running marathons. Like they could do it, but they're never going to win it. <laughs> but there we go. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Next week we will be back. Um, keep your eyes on the social media so what we might be able to show for you in the build-up to the big final at Twickenham, where we'll all be at having a few beers, enjoying ourselves, and never know, we might record something at the, at the final as well. Um, and then, you know, as I say, we're back next week with all of that. So keep your eyes on the social media for what happens next week. But other than that, gentlemen, thank you for your time. And uh, and Charlie as well, you're included as one of the gentlemen now. And uh, <laughs> thank you for your input. And, uh, and uh, we will be back soon. And thank you, everybody, for listening in. All the best. This is the Fezcast. Thank you.